Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. What are they made of? Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. No tobacco leaf or stem. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online and they ship directly to most states. Or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800 3334 for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Volume. Yo, what's happening, y'all? Welcome in Monday. Oh, shit, my bad, dude. I have my YouTube uh, like stream playing until the audio started. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, what's up, y'all? Sorry for the awkward beginning there. Mm-hmm. Monday, January 12th, 2024, and this is a brand new episode of... January 12th, yeah. January 15th. I mean, come on. Fuck! <laughs> I'm trying to tweet some shit, okay? I'm trying Freddy, to tweet out the No, What are we doing? Okay, start Holy over. You start. Shit. How about you welcome us in? Let's do a little... Hey, run. welcome in. Happy Martin Luther King Day. Okay, uh, good, happy good, Monday, good. January 15th. And another edition of Snap. Appreciate y'all jumping in. Like, subscribe, all that good stuff. And now I'm going to pass it over to the man who th- his job is to to know this before we start, but there you go. I'm tweeting. I just watched 40 minutes of Kalen DeBoer press conferences prepared for today's show. Mm. Please make it worth my time by coming to watch. Bang. Post. Mm. Elon, there you go. Okay. Um, so we're going to, so we're, we're obviously we're going to talk to Kalen DeBoer and Alabama today as uh, I want to say that news broke right after we finished the show. On Friday or Thursday? Or that would have been, no, because it broke on Friday. Um, I'm all over the place. Point is, it broke after we get on. We've got to talk about it. We'll talk Kalen DeBoer. We'll look at some of the other hires that were made. Jed Fish in at Washington. Mm-hmm. Ryan Grubb going with DeBoer to Alabama. Steve Sarkeesian getting extended. J.J. McCarthy declaring for the NFL draft. And uh, some Alabama players starting to leave the tide. How about this? My buddy sent me this. I, I I need to probably fact check it, but this was interesting. 
Jimmy Sexton putting on a masterclass this week. His client, Nick Saban, retires. Yeah. He uses the Alabama job to leverage to get raises for his other clients, Dan Lanning, Mike Norvell, Steve Sarkeesian. He then replaces he then places another client, Kalen DeBoer, at Alabama. Absolutely textbook. Yeah. No, no, no. no. I, 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 I mentioned it on, uh, on, on Friday on the other shows, but like he is... Mm. He is real shadow lord mm-hmm. of of college football. Like, like for all the jokes that we make about Saban being the emperor, you know, like the Star Wars emperor and everything else, um, that's actually Jimmy Sexton. Mm-hmm. He manipulates like the same way that the emperor manipulated a galactic war so that he would be given emergency controls from the Cynic Mimic the Republic into an empire. He manipulates bidding wars on a year in and year out basis to get his clients paid more money. It's it's insane how he is able to manipulate. I mean, he created this whole buyout market out of thin air. Yeah. He he created this insecurity on schools' behalves that, well, I mean, look, you're not going to be able to recruit if you don't if you if you can't promise these kids that they're going to be around. Mm-hmm. I could be able to hire them away from this school if. Yeah, I mean, look, maybe if you give him like a big buyout or something, have him some security, then maybe then he'll want to switch jobs. It's, um, it's, 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 when you own the majority of the market, it's easy to do that though. I mean, that's like Mark, it's like Mark Stoops. That's why I know that maybe I'm, uh, maybe I'm wrong here because some people say that I'm wrong, but like, I don't fucking believe that Mark Stoops was ever an actual real candidate for Texas A&M or is ever going to be offered the job that's Jimmy Sexton just using all of his power to get Stoops' out name out there. And at this time, Stoops didn't get a raise, but it was very much like a be thankful for what you have, right? Mm-hmm. Crazy. Remember remember this moment next time that 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 I am up for a contract, essentially, of, of yes. the panic of losing Mark Stoops at Kentucky and and what that would have done to the program and, and any momentum that's been created over the past six or seven years. Uh it is you don't think these 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 athletic directors and presidents and powers of be have kind of figured that out by now, or just like he owns so much of the, the real estate that there's nothing they could do, even if they did realize kind of the uh the the game beyond the game that he's playing right now um i don't think so i i think this is the genius part about what jimmy sexton does is i think that he kind of has these schools in a tough spot mm-hmm. because who has the more uh, negotiating power right if if mm, if 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 Jimmy Sexton or Mike Norvell's camp is telling you that he is being offered by Alabama and that they are going to pay him X amount and that he wants this to stay, how do you? I mean, are are you willing to call that bluff? Are you willing to play you that? Have to, but I mean, you have to. To me, I would feel like at some point these athletic directors also have similar resources to what he has. So, like, if I'm if I'm Florida State. I'm hitting my buddy up at Alabama and saying, like, is this true? Like, you, you don't think, like, like, are you really going to offer Novell? Not like, you don't have to give me specifics, but like, is this happening? Or is Jimmy Sexton kind of pulling my leg right now? Like, do you think that's a comfortable conversation that these athletic directors could have to combat him essentially going to Florida State saying, hey, guess what? Alabama just got him an offer or gave him an offer, and this is what he is. But he wants to stay at Florida State. So if you can hit that 10 million mark, he'll be a Seminole for the next eight years. 
And and then you say like, oh yeah, he must be telling the truth because it's Jimmy Sexton. I guarantee you he's never lied a day in his life. So here's $10 million a year for the next eight years. Mike Norvell, stay and be our head coach. Like they got to have some resources themselves in making some calls to back check uh, some of the, I'm not going to say their lies, but some of the things that, that Jimmy Sexton's preaching about their clients. Again, I'm not, I mean, and, and I want to be clear, right? Um, Jimmy Sexton operates on a higher level of consciousness than I do. Uh, you don't manipulate this many powerful individuals on such a consistent basis unless you, unless you are just way smarter and see the game behind the game behind the game. So I don't, I, I, I honestly don't know what the answer is, Aaron. Yeah. You know, um, because in theory, I see exactly what you're saying. Uh, they should yeah. have these same resources to know whether or not an offer is real, but maybe the offer is kind of real, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it exists. Maybe you're kicking the tires. Like these are all things where there's probably a lot of half truths uh, sewn throughout. Mm-hmm. So you can't really prove or disprove anything. And I'll say this, and this is again on a way level layman level, a way lower level of consciousness to what Sexton operates on. But like in any coaching search around a program that you live next to or uh, have the news cycle on, like you hear all kinds of different things Mm -hmm. and all kinds of people who should know and be in the know are right sometimes and wrong others. Sometimes they've been purposely misled or fed bad information to help muddy the waters. And sometimes they had really good information that went awry at the last minute. Mm -hmm. So in, in a business filled with so many untruths and have truths, I think that makes it kind of more um, susceptible to manipulation. Mm-hmm. And Jimmy Sexton's been at this thing forever now, and he's incredible. I I, I need a full, the, the, the same way that we were talking about a full economic analysis of Nick Saban's effect on not just Alabama, but T-Town as a whole. I need a full economic analysis on Jimmy Sexton mm-hmm. and the buyout market and specifically sec coaches salaries since he signed his first major client mm-hmm. like whoever would like i would actually probably honestly we should save this for later in the week and we should do a deep jimmy sexton dive i, yeah. I didn't think about it going in today can we, can so i'll bring jimmy on i'll the, do that research pod. when you bring when you bring jimmy on the pod uh yeah yeah Greg says, make it happen uh sexton represents 11 of 14 sec coaches you uh, make, yeah. make terms, man. I mean, we talk about it was funny. We had you and I had the debate of who is the most powerful person in college football. Yeah. Flash. I mean, I've been like the SEC last year. And then we were kind of, I think you and I are going back and forth between um the commissioner and then and Nick Saban of who who does wield the most power. I think this was kind of during SEC, the coaches convention, not coach convention, but coaches meetings, uh Sankey versus Saban. And Hell, there's a slice of pie, and there's definitely a, a discussion to be had about uh, Jimmy Sexton possibly being in the discussion of, of, of the power that he does wield in this conference. Um, yeah, I mean, but that's that's why you get into being a true shadow lord, mm-hmm. right? Shadow lords are those who are pulling the strings. He is the Illuminati of college football because he's not public-facing. We don't see him often. And well, this is nothing new than being Illuminati, but he looks funny as hell. Uh, just I Google. Know. I mean, never seen him. He looks like I, I'm sure I've seen him, but this like, is if, if a I walked on the square. Street, like, oh, there's Jimmy Sexton over there. Ha- have you ever seen Wreck It Ralph? Oh yeah, he looks like the mayor from Wreck It Ralph. Exact same body type. He's like a more boxy Kirby Smart almost. I mean, this is a square 
motherfucker. Not in the nerdy sense, like physically shaped language, square with rounded edges. Give me a picture of uh, Jimmy Sexton, uh, PG. It can literally almost be anyone, and it will mm. prove my point. Um, here are coaches repped by Jimmy Sexton. Kirby Smart, Kalen DeBoer, uh, Lane. Oh, wait, never mind. I thought I had a full list. This was just a list of people they were potentially talking about for the job. Oh, yes. <laughs> look, look at this. Yes. I mean, is that not the mayor from Wreck It Ralph? This is nothing to do with He did not look like Kirby, though. That is, but it's the Kirby, mayor from Wreck It Ralph. Kirby has a little bit of mayor from Wreck It Ralph in him as well. Uh, uh Min Yoon says the captain from Wally. No, Arthur Smith looks like the captain from Wally. Like when he was a little fatter, when Arthur Smith got the Falcons job, I swear to God, put a side by side of the captain from Wally and Arthur Smith, and you will be blown away. Um, yeah, Andy J says title for the Jimmy Sexton 30 for 30 should be the kingmaker. Yeah, I, I mean, a, a, a thousand percent. Um, all right. Is that enough sex and talk? We'll get it. Let's go into sex and deeper later in the week. This is a fun yeah, project. I, 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 like I like it. All right. Now let's talk about Kalen DeBoer. As on mm. Friday, it's announced he's going to be the next head coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide. And what does that come with? It comes with a press conference. So he answered questions or sorry, he spoke for about 20 minutes, uh, maybe it was 25, somewhere around there. And then he answered questions for around 10 minutes. Um, before we get into that, because I have a lot of thoughts, I, I love diving into press conferences. It's the local radio man in me. I can't help it. Uh, what did you think about what, What's your overall thoughts on the DeBoer hire? I like it. I mean, I think you, you've you been on this a lot longer than I have. You've been more of a DeBoer uh, believer. Not like I, I haven't been a believer in him. Like It's hard not to, to look at the stats and look at the wins and the championships and say, like, that guy as you've alluded to, T, is like, the, he wins. He wins championships. He wins football games. He turns programs into contenders. He did it in two years at Washington and put him in a national championship game. So, like, it is, it is, you're getting a guy that 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 knows how to win at the, the highest of high levels. Yeah. And I think that's the first thing that you want. I mean, to me, I, I, I said this from the very beginning, like, I'm not going after an OCDC. I'm going after a head coach. I'm going after a guy that I know is a winner. I'm going after a guy that 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 had is 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 maybe not as necessarily compete for championships but has gotten pretty close to it uh or has some sort of connection to the the Nick Saban tree. Uh, and I think that's the one thing that may bother fans a little bit about him and what that was my one hesitation of you've seen in the SEC what the Nick Saban essentially uh, blessing can do in the sense of you come to you come to Alabama, you're an OC, a DC, you get sent on your merry way, you become a head coach somewhere else the success of, of learning under Nick Saban, what that could do. There's a lot of misses in there too. There though. are some misses. I'm not I mean, there's more. No, 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 not are some. There are more misses than hits. Like Kirby Sark Lane. Yes, but there's some Dooley, big wins. There's some big wins. Yeah, some but Dooley, Muschamp, Butch Jones, Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, like the list goes on and on yeah. on the other side of that equation as well. I still think that there's a, a comfort though from a fan base that has been around Nick and has seen what he's done, knowing that you're getting not necessarily a carbon copy of him, but someone that can kind of just pick up and go from what has been built. And there's not going to be any sort of hiccup or change. I think that's the one hesitation, but when it comes to getting a guy that knows how to run a program and, and that be successful. So it's a, it's a, I'm not going to give a grade. It's a home run hire though. I, in my opinion, I think it's a great hire. I mean, it's as solid as if you could have done in an impossible situation. I think that, 
I think two things. I think for me, it was number one on my list from the beginning mm-hmm. because of uh, not just the resume, but that whole idea of some of these similarities. And not to say, I know, guys, don't, I've said it plenty of times here, but like, I don't care what your background is. There's no one pathway to success. If you're someone who, like Lane Kiffin, whose dad was a coach and you had connections and you climbed very quickly, uh, like I'm like in general life, I was a silver spoon privilege kid like that, right? Um, you can that you can still be a very good coach, you can still be successful. But I do think there is something um to the parallels between Nick Saban grinding his way up out of West Virginia and then, you know, through the north and all over the country before eventually finding his way to Tuscaloosa and Kalen DeBoer grinding his way out of South Dakota and going mm-hmm. all over different levels of football all over the country and now finding his way by the sweat of his own back to uh, Tuscaloosa. Like, I think that comes with a the way that shapes you from a humility standpoint, from a drive standpoint. I think these are mm-hmm. traits that are very attractive. And I think if you look at what Greg Byrne and Nick Saban were kind of into going into this thing, I think Cam DeBoer checked uh, the most boxes out of. And, and, I, and I keep some, I keep telling myself of like, who was my number one guy? You know, who, who did I, who, if I'm Alabama, who do I want? And, and I kept saying like Dan landing, Dan landing, Dan landing. Like, why would you want, he's under the tree. He's had success at Oregon, but then you have to continue to remind yourself as well. Who's being Dan landing three straight times. I mean, they both met the, their program for two years, and I would say Kalen DeBoer took off took over a way harder situation at, at Washington than what Dan Lanning took over at Oregon, and he's beat them three straight times. So the guy that maybe you wanted has lost multiple times in a row to the guy that you have now. So I also that was a I, decision. I also feel that Dan Lanning, while he's very exciting and. I don't know if you want to say it more potential than DeBoer because that's even a bit that's a bit problematic to try to say with what DeBoer's done. But like Lanny was certainly a more exciting hire, you would say. But to me, he also was more volatile. He is less proven. He has less time in the game. Yep. He's younger. Uh, DeBoer's 49 years old. He's entering his coaching prime, if you will, which I kind of view as like that 50 to 60 range. Uh, it's it, It's like how, again... Back in the day, if you wanted to be consul of Rome, I think you had to be like 40 years old before you're even eligible to get the job. Like that's what disappoints me from a fan perspective here or from an LSU fan perspective here. This was the most solid hire they could have made. Every other one seemed to have more volatility to it. Like I could actually see a world in which landing went disastrously bad. I could see a world in which Kiffin went disastrously bad. I could see it. And it was like this. I think you see yeah. it. I can't see it with uh, DeBoer. Now, nothing's going to be as good. It no. will not be as good, but DeBoer will still keep them championship relevant and Alabama will not just go away. What, what is there? Is there any concern? And obviously this, this program is built significantly more, more stable than Auburn. But Brian Harson was also a winner at Boise no, State. No, I, I hate these Harson comps. I'm just at, okay. I'm just asking. I'm just asking. I don't think I don't think Harson's I don't think Harson's um, resume sniffs DeBoer's in terms no, of no championships. But he was successful at Boise. At Boise, but he's, but, an, he's, but, an, he's an outsider. Like I think that's the that's the one thing that keeps one school, too. Like there's there's this there's train of thought that he's an outsider. The name of the game's recruiting. And Nick, Nick Saban was an outsider. Urban Meyer was an outsider. These are Yankees who came down here yeah. and look what happened. Um, so no, I don't, I don't think, and you know, you know, it's pretty fucking similar culturally, mm-hmm. South Dakota and the South of America. 
like the South, right? Like we are talking about two places that are built on a lot of blue collar workers. You could argue like a lack of overall economic opportunity. You you're, you're giving me a quizzical look. You don't think that large swaths of the South and, 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 and South Dakota are similar culturally. It's like, you ever go hang out in West Virginia? Like coal miners feel like oil workers just in a different business. Like it's it's same thing as Louisiana. They're just mountain people versus swamp people. Like I I think it's wild if you think that there's not uh, uh similarity there from a from the type of person that it creates to the type of person I that thrives it's, there. It's a very culturally different people from the I south think that, to the south. I think um I think that Brian Harson has had success at one school. And it wasn't overwhelming success. And it was a school that he was already involved in and went to. Kalen DeBoer has had success at multiple different stops on multiple different levels of football. I think Brian Harson never seemed likable at all. No, like, I, I agree at, with that at one. Like all. And then he, I've he's talked, fucking and sucks talked. from day one. Kalen DeBoer, as somebody pointed in the chat earlier, while he's he's one of the main areas in which he's different than Saban, is he seems much more and Saban got a little bit of this as he got older, certainly. But um, he just seems much more likable, like yeah. on, like on, a, like a, like on a, on a, just a person to person basis, much more approachable, yeah. and 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 whatnot. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, and and I and I agree with Harson. I mean, obviously, I've, I've talked to Bobo multiple times about this, um, and not not putting words in the Bobo's mouth, but there was there, and, and other people that were part of the Auburn program. There was some difficulty with with the way Harson ran his program um, from from essentially micromanaging everything to the point of like not allowing guys to work. The fact that you lost an OCDC and, and, and Derek Mason left Auburn and took a pay cut to go to Oklahoma state to leave the sec tells you everything you know about people just not enjoying working with him. And, and we've never heard anything about people not enjoying working with him. Obviously his OC grub is going to come with him to Alabama. So I think that tells yeah. you the type yeah. of coach he is. And, and then you also hear stories of, of the players and the way that he treats them and the, the enjoyment of being coached by Caitlin DeBoer. So no, there's always going to be little things to pick at. And, and I think you, you, you brought up a good point too. It will never be as good as Nick Saban. No. And, and you hope that, that him being a veteran coach, a, a mature individual at the ripe age of 50 years old also understands that, that he's walking into a situation where day in and day out, you will be compared to Nick Saban. And you just have to be yourself because you'll never be Nick. And that may be refreshing too, because if you did bring in a Dan Lanning who was cut, cut from the same cloth as Nick Saban, you would expect him to be just like Nick Saban, just as we expect Kirby Smart to be just like Nick Saban. Sure. You're getting a guy now that doesn't have a tie to him. So he can say that, you know what? I, I, I was never under Nick. I don't really know what Nick is like when it comes to coaching or running an organization. So I'm not going to try and be Nick because I don't know what it is like to be Nick. I'm just going to be me. Or you may have gotten a landing who tried to be a little bit too much Nick Saban-esque. Yeah, I, 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 I think there's something. I think that's fair as well, right? That there's somebody that, that maybe there is value not coming directly from the Saban school yep. for the reasons that you just said. Uh, here we hit on, like, I can go into a lot of specifics on this. Um press conference and things that I like, but the most interesting element of it, and it's because it speaks to just how uh, wild what he's attempting to do is the entire time is almost nothing was said mm-hmm. about getting better. It was all merely about continuing what had been going on. There were even a couple times 
where he almost caught himself, where he talked about adding to the culture and then immediately said, as it's always been, you know, getting people to yeah. getting more and more people on board as has been already happening. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it gives you insight into what he's not saying into what he's actually taking over. Cause normally this is an opportunity for a coach to get up there and stump. Like, like look at a Matt rule when he gets a Nebraska job and it's all about restoring greatness and taking it to the next level or same thing with Brian Kelly and LSU. This is one of those rare, rare, rare times where he can't say anything about improving mm. the, uh, mm -mm. the, the, the improving the program and the only press, but he did a pretty good job. I thought he yep. did a good job of kind of threading that needle while telling you what, he's about um and in terms of the privilege he, he did a couple very smart things uh first off excuse me in terms of the expectation he referred to the expectation as a privilege which is the correct way to frame it in your mind mm -hmm. um it's a privilege because that expectation comes with all the resources that you could possibly want people who have won championships where you can pick their brain and add to your system and, and your processes and what you like what you don't and he was also um, very, because it, it, was, it was a weird situation. It had to be very surreal for Nick Saban to be sitting there watching this. It had to be mm -hmm. surreal for DeBoer to be standing there looking at Saban. Mm -hmm. But uh, great on DeBoer up front being very clear. Nick Saban will have 100% access. Yeah. Saying he wants Saban to be involved. Uh, he wants one thing from Saban every day, even though he knows he'll probably have 10. But like, this is this is what you need to do. And so in all of this, Calling the expectation of privilege, you know, not talking about how it's going to be better, but but still explaining how he's going, what, what his culture is, and 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 then welcoming and saving immediately. Uh, I thought I thought he did. I thought he did a damn That's good job, and I thought it came off as very confident, uh, very comfortable, and uh, very excited. I, I was just about to ask this uh, that Yoon in the in the in the chat said, "Be careful what you wish for." And I think he's kind of hinting at what I was just about to bring up and ask you, 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 you say all the right things, at the press conference, you say, of course, like, Hey, Nick, man, if you want to be a part of the program, like we will take anything. Like if you want to come to practices, if you want to come watch some film, if you want to do what it is open, you have an office. I think Nick's getting an office in the stadium. You are, it is open. You, you are Alabama still come and help two things. Does Nick know his boundaries now that he's not the head coach? And and will he kind of stay away enough to where he's not infringing? And and two, how much do you truly want Nick Saban around the program as you will always be compared to him? And, and you see the shadow of Nick kind of always looming from the office above the stadium, looking over you, kind of judging every single move. I and go, the players I, seeing it too. It's interesting because I think this can go both ways. I think when you look yeah. at, and I don't really follow college basketball, but through osmosis, watching Coach K like, sitting right by the bench and hearing he's still in like the football. Like I, I think maybe he's potentially going a bit too far, but I tend to fall on like crash B says in the chat, anyone who would be too prideful to accept advice from the goat would be a fool. So mm -hmm. it's good to be seen to DeBoer, no Saban, I'll stuff to tell him. First off, I do think Saban is enough of, um, Saban gets it in terms of trying yeah. to run a program. So I think he does understand like what boundaries he's going to need to set for himself. But beyond that, um, at the end of the day, DeBoer just has to be comfortable that no, the, I am the head coach. Yeah. Like I do have the final say, but for me to just ignore what this guy who has invaluable insight to ignore that as a resource would be the height of really? hubris. So, Peter James says Nick will be CEO. No, I think DeBoer is CEO. I think Nick is something more like a high-level consultant. 
Yes. Like the highest level of consultant, at least that should be, mm-hmm. uh, I think, ideally how it has worked. Because look, what's a word that DeBoer went to in the press conference? Alignment. It's a buzzword that um, that that you hear more and more out of coaches. It must have been mentioned 35 times in the Brian Kelly introductory press conference. But you see why. When mm-hmm. you don't have alignment, you become Auburn. You yep. become Texas A&M. You go through the struggles that uh, LSU had for a couple of years there. Like you'd have to have the head coach, the AD, and the president on that same vision, that same path. And ultimately, that's where that AD and president, mm-hmm. if let's say a hypothetical situation did arise where it was DeBoer versus Saban, you got to side with DeBoer. Mm-hmm. I don't see that happening, but I'm pretty sure everybody's smart enough to understand that. Like, it's not, I think it, it, it would just shock me if that wasn't the case. Yeah. No, and I, and I think Nick has done it for so long that I, I, I think there's the, the worry of like, he, he can't give, he necessarily can't give all that power up, but I think he's going to, I do. I, I think he, I think he, he understands like if, if, I want Alabama to be successful. I want Alabama to continue to be a contender. And and yes, I can leave little little nuggets of help here or there. And we can have our meetings. We can have our one-on-one time. If 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 the door is open, which it will always be open to Nick Saban, like you said, like he would be an idiot not to accept that. But I also have to know like this is his program. And, and if I was a part of 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 the process of of handpicking Kalen DeBoer to be the successor for me to be the next head coach of Alabama, I have to let him do his thing. And and I think Nick, I think Coach, I think Nick Saban will 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 play the boundary very nicely. You know, kind of come in when he needed, stay out when he's not, go to Florida, enjoy the sunshine, play some golf, go work for ESPN. I think Nick is he has his hand in so many other things as well. We think that that Nick is going to be in Tuscaloosa twenty four seven. Nick is going to be at the beach at his, his. I think he sells a lake house in Georgia. He's going to be working for maybe ESPN. He'll be doing a million other things uh, than just sitting there in Tuscaloosa watching the football team. Maybe I'm naive, but I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you uh, on all that in terms of I don't think Nick's going to be like daily just in it fully walking the facility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Christian Burr's two dollars super chat. T Bob never compare South Dakota to the boot. You're from Georgia. Well, the funny thing about that, Christian, is. I compared it to the South, and it just so happens that both Louisiana and Georgia are in the South. Yeah, imagine that. Um, let's see here. Uh, okay, other notes from the press conference. This is fucking crazy to think about. DeBoer said he had never met Greg Byrne before this search started, and he had never even spoken with Nick Saban. Mm. And 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 the only reason I say that's that that's how crazy this thing is is this is arguably the most important personnel decision in Alabama history mm-hmm. in terms of hiring someone and yet because the dynamics just how the situation works like it's not right or wrong nobody's at fault for this this is again just how these things work you hire a man what less than 24 hours after speaking to him for the first time that's fucking wild, dude. Like that's this is a true like first impressions. Roll the dice. We're you know we're trying to do our due diligence, and we know we have this resume to pull from and everything. But you better make sure you all get along. You yeah. better hope that no friction ends up arising. I don't think that it will. But that is really really wild to consider. Yeah, is there, that, there, there, there was no like hey, let's go to let, let let's go to a basketball game and kind of take you around the town and we'll go to dinner and we'll see if, if no. everyone's kumbaya this is like all right 
the 30 day window just opened a lot. Like, and I, let's just be honest. Like Alabama knows this. They'd be stupid not to know this. There's the majority of those kids, if not all those kids committed because of Nick Saban. They committed because they didn't, they didn't commit because of the, 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 uh, the, I always want to say the A on the helmet, but the number on the helmet, the A on the chest, they committed because Nick Saban was the head coach. I think you had, you had, you had, I probably not. I don't think it's, I don't think it's as majority as you're making it. I think think a lot of people, it's the majority. Okay. I, I disagree. I disagree. But you think most of those kids on that roster committed because it was Alabama and not because of Nick Saban? I think it's a it's a bit of a weird question because it's kind of impossible to discern. But yeah, I think the majority of the roster is going to stay. So yeah, I do. I'm not saying not stay. I'm just saying like they. Of course, you're not going to just 100 just leave because Nick's there. Like you are invested. You're a student there. You built relationships. Your buddies are on the team. It's not as easy as just like okay, Nick's gone. I'm gone. Like there's there's a lot of things that have to be discuss i'm just saying the a way to stop the bleeding is to get on your horse and and, and make a decision of who that next head coach can be within that that essentially we gave it a week end up having in a few days like you got to get going oh yeah no you have to i mean it would have been i mean think about how long even the 49 it's hours it's funny that's exactly yeah. what Byrne was referencing in the press conference was just talking about how like it was basically like look they promise the team will have a coach in 72 hours. And I get why. You go past 72 hours, you start to look, look dysfunctional. Yeah. Um, and like you didn't have a plan and you're scrambling. And, and they were kind of scrambling. But again, I think they landed on a really solid candidate. Um, and What's and, Alabama's schedule next year? It's hard. Remember, second hardest schedule in the SEC according to opponents' win percentage. So it's definitely a wake welcome first, to first uh, SEC game. I believe is what Georgia and Tuscaloosa. Dobby says that's why Isaiah Bond stayed. Oh wait, yeah, Isaiah Bond to Texas over the weekend. But that's my point. That I, I'm saying majority. I'm saying the meat and potatoes of the roster. The superstars are five stars. Guys from out of state. Guys from other parts of the country. Those are always going to be the guys that are going to be more susceptible to wanting to um, leave in a situation like this or going to chase the bag elsewhere. But I do think we're probably, I think if you look to the Alabama roster, a lot of that would be made up of Alabama cats who probably grew up loving Alabama, but maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know Alabama's top, I don't know Alabama's uh, resume top or uh, roster top to bottom like that. but you've seen, I mean, you've seen a couple five-star decommits. You've seen yeah. some players start to leave. But again, none of this is, like, if I'm an Alabama fan, I wouldn't be stressing it because none of this is surprising. Like, yeah. we all knew this was going to happen. It hasn't happened nearly to the extent that it happened at Texas A&M, yeah. right? So that's already a positive. Uh, DeBoer, it seems like if I went from Nick Saban to Kalen DeBoer, um, I would probably be like, okay, I'm going to hear this guy out because he seems really, you know, he seems kind of chill. He's just a like, national championship. I mean, yeah, like, it, yeah, you you were literally just on the couch as a kid watching this team compete for national championship. You just watched this team beat a Texas team that that beat you in your home stadium. I also, mean, there's there's definitely some intrigue there for for Kalen DeBoer. Before you make your next point. Um, about 400 people in the chat right now. I think right around 50 likes. Hit that, hit that like, hit that subscribe, jump in the chat. Yes. Type away all that good stuff. Um, man, we had a great, great past four or five weeks. So we're going to continue this momentum this offseason. So appreciate Ooh, everyone joining us. 13.6K. I know. I know. Oh, dude. We need, we, need, we need to make our offseason goal of, of where we want to be by next football season. 14. I don't know. I don't know yet. Let's, um, I just don't know how the offseason is going to go yet. I mean, we'll still be here every day. So I hope you all continue to like to show up too. Um, so 
Other things that jumped out to me from the press conference at the end, he he was referencing a lot of what we're talking about with the players getting him to stay. And what he's asking from the players, from staff, from coaches, from everybody is be all in. And that is something mm. that I've been thinking about a lot lately. And it's because I do local radio here in Louisiana, right? Uh, with the New Orleans Saints right now, you have the cat Dennis Allen replacing a legend in Sean Payton, but they kept a lot of the players. They, they held over a lot of people. Well, it's become really apparent that there is a rift where you have kind of old school Payton guys mm-hmm. who are like, you know what? This new guy just ain't it. And they don't respect him. And so now there's like a lot of tension there. Right. And that happens in any business that you're in anything. When you have a legendary leader, and then you replace him with someone. Do the people that bridge that gap, do the people that bridge, do they buy in? Because that sets the tone. And I saw a lot of that w- my freshman year at LSU, where you had a lot of the old heads. But, 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 is, but is that is that? Are you worried about players? Or are you worried about say front office people? Because I still think that everyone, they- everyone, every mm-hmm. single every every facet of the building, because the the mm-hmm. the tension comes in when you replace the leader. If they don't buy it, then they don't respect you. And they don't respect you. That has a trickle down effect. I saw the LSU when you went from Nick Saban to Les Miles. You or excuse me. Yeah, from Saban to Miles. I guess I, the, I old heads, the old heads were like, yeah, we like Miles because he's way nicer and shit. But like, it's kind of a fucking joke. Like Damn. there was a lack of respect that then gets passed down into that next generation as well. Maybe I was always just so, so raised on, on, on respect your elders, respect your elders, that if you were in any sort of authority role above me, that 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 I was gonna respect that that you were hired, especially at a place like LSU or Alabama or Georgia, that you had all the credentials that that uh, hey man, listen, I'm 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 on this team, you're the coach, I'm the player, and and I'm gonna roll with you. You like, had a great coach. I know, I know, I get it. Like, yeah, it's 100. percent But like, hey, I, listen, I went to to Philly, and and obviously, I wasn't. This is weird because I was in Kansas City with. Respect your rabbis. Respect your rabbis. (laughs) I was in Kansas City with Andy Reid, but then I went to Philly uh, with Doug Peterson. Obviously, it was Doug's first year, and there was and I was with a bunch of the veteran guys at times. We'd hang out, have lunch, all that, and it wasn't. We didn't make the playoffs this year. That year, maybe because he was a first year head coach, but there was never. I never heard any anger or upset or you know back in Andy Reid's day, we used to do this or that. Like it was, I don't know. Maybe because I've just never been put in a situation like you were at LSU. Maybe I've Doug always Peterson's been a good him. leader. I think he is a great leader. I That's know. my I point, just, though. If so, so, so again, if Casey DeBoer is good, I worry about more like the front office people, the more day to day people compared to the players that are ever rotating there. They're only for a certain amount of time. Yeah, like they come in unless, and go, unless, unless he's Brian Harson, which again I think he's not. To be painfully clear, but if he is, then that's fucking disastrous. Because you're comparing him to the best ever. If he's really fucking good, well, then that's fine. People will get all in. And maybe at the edge cases, you have guys that won't, but that's okay. You can cut that out of the program. Yep. I'm just saying there is potential for disaster just because of the whole idea of, well, this isn't how we used to do things. Oh, of course. This is how of we course. used to we're, do this. We're, like, we're, like we're, Doug, Doug Peterson we're, we're, is a very... We're humans of habit, man. We want, we want to stay in our habit. We understand our, our day-to-day of the schedule that Nick Saban has had for 15 years of, you know, from the front office to the players, knowing what your day's going to look like, that that's going to be different. 
And if things don't go well, that's like, well, you know, we used to practice like this. Like we used to, you know, tackle on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Now we have, you know, shells on Wednesday. We're not as tough. Like whatever the difference may be, like, yes, it will be put under a microscope if it doesn't work 100%. Yes. 100%. Uh, Magoo, can we all just rejoice that the evil regime has ended? Yeah, look, I mean, you know, I got nothing but respect for Nick here on the other side of it. But <laughs> fuck all you Alabama fans. Welcome to the suck, bitch. And you know what? You're still spoiled little fucks because I think DeBoer's really good. And yeah. I think you're still going to be really good. What you really deserve is like four years of failure. Like, like you, you deserve to fall off the face of a cliff and have to really eat some shit and get humbled a bit. Not, not, not your like fake where like Alabama wins by 10 and my friends are texting me how tense and terrifying the game was mm-hmm. like you, you, you deserve to know what it feels like to wake up Saturday and not be 1000% sure you're going to beat Kentucky. Yeah. Maybe it won't happen. That's like that. That's what you deserve. And yet you because of Kalen DeBoer, you're not going to get that. He's awesome. I, you're probably going to be really good and championship relevant and has have good. Like, I don't know. This hasn't changed to, I think my top three teams in the sec are next year. Mm, maybe we should, because we should, you replace we should, them. We should, we should we, that should be something we do next week is like our, our reevaluation of our top 10 based on transfer portal and, and all these coaches. Cause I, for me, that things have changed a little bit in my mind of, we got to wait my, for the Harbaugh chip to fall before we do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like next week, I think Harbaugh is interviewing right now that that may happen. Uh, Von Bluesman says uh, at Aaron, did you go to UJ because of the coach love of UJ or another reason? Uh, I'm interesting, and I love to hear your thought on this because I do believe you grew up an LSU fan, even though you lived in Georgia. I didn't grow up a college football like fan. I grew up in a more of a pro town in Tampa. We you know, went to the Bucks games, the Rays games, the Bolts games. Like I didn't really go watch a lot of college football. So, like for me, the it Bolts. was more the love of Mark Rick and 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 Bobo and seeing what they've done with quarterbacks. Obviously, Georgia was the number one team in the country at the time. And what Avo like, said and what Avo said in the chat here. And he, of course. Of Aaron course, went of for course. the girls. Yes. Uh, for the girls yes. of Athens. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening on pod, he just gave a very shit-eating grin uh, uh, confirming uh, what we're saying. Yeah, so all you plays went- into it. But I didn't, go, I didn't go for the love of the G. I'll tell you that. So, no, I'm the opposite, where uh, I did go to LSU simply because it was LSU. And my grandpa, even though I moved from Louisiana when I was four, I went to St. Falcons. My grandpa raised me diehard LSU. Mm-hmm. I think I told the story last week, but, um, you know, the memories of going to games with him when I was younger, when we could, and some of those SEC championships and watching 2003, you know, winning Natty, just all those. Like, I think around 2000, actually, right when Nick Saban got there is when I started really loving college football. And so, no, I went there um, because it was a dream of mine to go there. And so it didn't matter who was going to be the coach. Roster stuff didn't really matter. There was only one place that I was ever going to go to. But, but so that, that's exactly what I'm talking about, though. I think there's more people in my camp on that Alabama roster than you're probably giving credit for. Um, even though it's probably got no, a higher percentage of your, so much more national than when we say, got recruited. The, the more national specifically probably has more people in your camp than the average football team because they are so national and they're getting so many super superstars from around from around the country. Um, so it goes, yeah. So so that, I mean that's all a matter of perspective. Um, 
What did you think about last thing on DeBorg? There's a lot that we get to. You talked about energy, yeah. attitude, effort, winners win, because that's what winners do. Um, accountability, brotherhood, tough. These are the non-negotiables, whatever. But how about this? He started talking about Washington at the very end, and he got a little choked up, started to cry a little bit. Uh, and I've seen people interpret this a lot of different ways. How do you interpret it? The the the, the slight, I mean. I, I always enjoy emotion, but I'm also a very emotional person. So like when, when, when you show emotion and it seems genuine, um, I think it's a great thing. Like there's nothing wrong with a 50 year old man, you know, getting a little bit choked up when, when you have worked as hard as he's worked to go from Sioux Falls, winning championships there, turning around a program at Washington, becoming a champion, and then now being, being recognized as the person that has the opportunity to take over for the greatest coach of all time. Like what, there's not many bigger honors than that of, of Nick Saban at Alabama reaching out to you from where you've come from and saying, you know what? We see you. We recognize you. We love what you've done. We want you to be the next guy here at Alabama. Like that's pretty fucking so, special. So I'm with, uh, I'm with Bama fan in the chat who says he cares for his players yeah. is how I take it. Yeah. I mean, look, he was talking to his players back at Washington here and, um, from a basic human empathy level, I understand why that's got to be so complicated for him. I mean, mm -hmm. he was getting a godfather offer. This is the one, and he even said it, this is probably the one job that he would have left Washington for. And I actually believe that. Yeah. Um, he was given an offer he could not refuse, and you have to make hard choices in life. Mm -hmm. And I think my biggest takeaway is the emotion that he showed to me is actually very indicative of being representative of everything that he said in the press conference about wanting to build a culture through brotherhood and kinship and accountability, mm -hmm. because uh, the only way that you can actually do that and create that chemistry is if you actually love that person and you respect them and you want to succeed, not just for yourself, but for them. And he had to leave them all behind. Yep. And that fucking sucks. Yeah. And that hurts. But I think mm -hmm. we can all, if we're adults about it, I think we can all understand why you do have to make that decision if you're Kayla DeBoer. So I think the emotion's actually great. Mm -hmm. I think emotion shows that um, it's not just coach speak, that he actually believes in what he's trying to create. All right. Um, thank you for everybody watching. Please keep hitting the like button, like, like whatever. Uh, sub to the channel if you haven't. Ooh, almost 14. Let's go. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, we got... Uh, Real quick, let's let's hear from our friends at DraftKings, and we'll wrap up a couple stories on the other side. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL playoffs, is bringing you an offer that'll make the playoffs electrifying. New customers can bet just five bucks on any game and get two hundred instantly in bonus bets. So, you're an Eagles fan? You think your boys are going to turn it around in playoff time? You can bet on them, okay? Or you know, probably not because they probably won't. Either way, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code TBOB. New customers bet just 5 bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code TBOB, T-B-O-B. -B. The crown is yours. 
gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. JLab has something for everyone with earbuds and headphones that are as versatile as you are. Perfect for calls, listening to podcasts, and working out. They are built for every single moment. JLab is proud to partner with Powerhouse College Athletics, UCLA, Duke, Gonzaga, Indiana, St. John's, TCU, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, Minnesota, San Diego State, and more. From lively tailgates to coaches' play calling and courtside rivalries to college athletics NIL deals, JLabs joins the action and connects with 182 million plus college sports fans nationwide. They're excited to partner with 17 D1 college schools showcasing their passion and loyalty of fans and athletes across the United States. Whether creating cutting edge tech products, are pursuing athletic greatness, being the best takes hard work and commitment. JLab is proud to partner with schools who are showcasing the hard work, perseverance, and even the championship celebrations across all college sports. Use code SNAPS25 for 25% off your order. Visit JLab.com to find your kind of tech. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. If you're an adult age 21 and older and use nicotine or tobacco, I want to tell you about an American-made success story in Black Buffalo's award-winning nicotine pouches. Black Buffalo's nicotine pouches are not owned by Big Tobacco. They're an independent company proudly built right here in the USA for 21 and over adult consumers. Black Buffalo was built by dippers with decades of smokeless tobacco use. They believed the market wanted tobacco-alternative nicotine products that offered the best of both worlds. Bold flavor, full pouches. What are they made of? It's pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves, food-grade ingredients, and pharmaceutical-grade nicotine. Most importantly, there's no tobacco leaf or stem. All proudly made right here in the USA. So if you're 21 and older, consume nicotine or tobacco, and want to join the Black Buffalo Herd, Head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online and they ship directly to most states. Or check out the store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Juan Gabriel. Juan Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Harold G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Ex-Tina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. 
Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So other coaching guys ever made, I, I think the Boers went really good. I think Ryan Grubb coming to OC at Alabama is massive Huge. for them. Steve Sarkeesian extended, smart move by Texas. Uh, how about Jed Fish? Yeah. Hired in Washington from Arizona. Love that. Love that. Love that. I mean, what he he took over a program, you know, one win the first year and then turned that team into a a uh, a top 15 team, a team that we kind of had as a, I think we had him as a fringe, you know, our look ahead top 12 team heading into next year. I think we initially had him in and then we took him out because of Utah uh, and what Utah has a chance to do next year in the big 12, but uh, he turned him into a contender. Now it's just a matter of same thing. As you look at Washington, <laughs> does he take half that roster with them from Arizona to Washington? Does he take the quarterback with him to Washington? But uh, I thought, I thought that was a great hire by, by, uh, by the Huskies to, to replace DeBoer. Yeah, I I kind of feel for Fish, though, here. I love what Fish did at Arizona. And yep. it's been um, it's a really impressive turnaround. Still a relatively mm-hmm. small sample size. So it does have yep. a bit of a hot name element. But there was a consistent climb at Arizona. I think it was like 111, 5-7, now yep. 10 at 3, right? Yep. So I can appreciate that. I feel like, okay, Kalen DeBoer is taking over a well-oiled machine that mm-hmm. has been for a decade and a half and looks like he could just keep rolling forward. He's taken over a tricky spot in Washington mm-hmm. because you are talking about losing a ton of talent and just got you to a national championship. And yet out of a mixture of pain and what you just experienced, the expectations are not going to change much. Like they're going to expect you to keep winning and, 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 and winning at an elite level, maybe not championship, but they're going to want you to be around 10 wins. Maybe the you better playoff. get your quarter. You better get your quarterback. Fafita better come with you. I think that's well, the key. And so the deal is, Jed Fish is going to be asked to win at a very high clip at Washington, a school which is more than capable. To be fair, yes, we saw Chris Peterson and uh, Kalen DeBoer do this, but he's going to be asked to do it after losing a ton of talent and moving into the Big Ten. It's just very tricky. Well, and, and I want to go to Greg Greg's comment. I don't get this move for Fish. To be honest. I do. I I think that 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 the powers that be, the coaches, understand the changing landscape of college football and understand like this is the time for me. If I'm not coaching at the in the SEC or the Big Ten, I need to get in there now. And you are taking over a program that you said that has been to multiple playoffs, that was just at the national championship. Yes, it's going to a tougher conference, but at least you're in the Big Ten or you're in the SEC. You're you're we're gonna get to a you're you're either. You're part of the future of college football or you're not. And I'm not saying like the Big 12 isn't a part of this new era, but when the new rules change or when the new scheduling takes place um, here in a couple of years of what the playoffs going to look like, I think there's going to be heavy favoritism towards the Big 10 in the SEC as obviously yeah. two main players in this thing. It's like, why would you not, not saying you're leaving a sinking ship, but go to the more powerful conference that has the better resources, that has a better chance, that has a better future. So I, I would take that risk too. No, so in the same way, it represents a bit of an offer that Fish could not refuse either. Yep. Probably didn't want to refuse because it's an upgrade. But yep. here is where it gets trickier. If Washington takes a TCU-like step back, Eesh. right? 
Could feel and it. DeBoer thrives at Alabama. How patient are Washington fans going to be with Fish? How level-headed will they remain? Now, a key difference with Fish and someone like Sonny Dykes, the TCU championship year was the exception, not the rule, on Dykes' mm-hmm. resume. Uh, we still don't know with Fish because we haven't seen it take a step back because it's a smaller sample size. Um, Lucas, I think we're oh, good. You and I went over the, the Washington schedule next year. Like, yeah, you may not be as good, and yeah, you may not, you know, maybe compete for a Big Ten championship. But when you look at Washington's schedule, there's there's no reason why if you can't essentially get Fafita there to transfer at the quarterback, get a couple other spots, you know, filled on that roster here of the next, you know, you know, certain amount of time. Then the portal opens up, obviously, again after spring ball. Weber State, Eastern Michigan, Washington State, Northwestern, Rutgers are your first five games. Then Michigan. Iowa, Indiana, USC, Penn State, UCLA, Oregon. It's not murderer's row next year for Washington. So like I don't anticipate a I don't anticipate a TCU like fall from grace. Um, but I also don't anticipate them being a, a playoff team with everything that's replaced from um, a personal standpoint and from a coach. So Greg says staying in Arizona being really good seems like the way better play in the risky situation is Washington. We should also mention that I doubt. Arizona put a $70 million offer in front of Jeff Fish. Uh, if, if I remember last news cycle, I want to say Arizona had to do a hiring freeze uh, because they had like a $200 million shortfall in their athletic budget due to some sort of accounting error. So the finances at Arizona, a way tighter spot than Washington where the finances have never mm-hmm. been better. And with the Big Ten should only... Improved. Dobby says what Fish did seems more impressive than what DeBoer did, in my opinion. Uh, both are very impressive. I'll still give the edge to DeBoer because he went all he brought this thing all the way to the natty, and it wasn't fluky. Even TCU had an element well, before, of fluke to it. I mean, before he took over, Kalen took over. They were a four-win team in 2021. I mean, yeah, it may yeah. have not been a a, a it was Jimmy a Lake, winless- right? Wasn't Jimmy Lake there before? Right. It wasn't like he was taking over a winless Arizona, but he took over a four, four and eight Washington team, got them to what was it, eleven wins in year one, and then a national championship berth in year two. Like that's that's as good as you can get right there. Um, both were tremendous jobs going from Arizona, no wins to one win to you know what they did. Like T Bob kind of laid that out for you, but I still think what DeBoer did taking over Washington and making him a, a national championship contender. Uh, that's a hell of a job in two years. Yeah. So, um, show enough says he did it with Peterson's roster. Well, no, he had Michael Pittick's shoe. That was DeBoer's guy. Mm-hmm. So no, not true. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and save some of these personnel moves for tomorrow. Yep. Um, we'll talk about Isaiah bond committee to Texas, Roydell Williams committed to FSU, uh, we had some five-star commits, five-star decommits, uh, so still a lot to get to that we didn't quite get to today. I apologize about that. Oh, JJ McCarthy, NFL draft. Do you want to touch mm-hmm. it on the way out or save it? Um, no, we can touch on it. I don't think it's like a huge time point tomorrow, but yeah, I, I I think for him, there's nothing really left to accomplish. I get it. Like you've beat Ohio State three times. I think he was the starting quarterback for two of them. You've you've been a part of three Big Ten championships. You've now won a national championship. Like, I think that that's kind of and this was kind of what I thought about with Carson all year too. Like if Carson won the national championship, Carson would have done the same thing. You know, he he felt like he's been in, he's been in college long enough. He's accomplished everything that he came to complete to college to do. 
you know, might as well walk out at a champion. So I don't blame JJ, but he also has to understand that he's a, a mid second round to possibly early fourth round NFL draft pick right now. Like there was, that was the one thing that you could have come back to accomplish, especially in this draft this year where there's four guys that are probably going to go in the first. And if Penix drops early second, that that's only going to hurt you even more. So um, he's, he's leaving money on the table for sure. But I mean, listen, if you feel like you've done what you need to do, good for you, man. Go, go, go make that bread in the NFL. Um, so this makes you feel like Harbaugh's probably gone. Even and it more. makes you feel like Harbaugh's gone. Yes. Secondly, I see what you did there with Penix and back just now. What? Four guys <laughs> being drafted. Four guys being drafted in the first round with Penix dropping in the second, huh? So who's the fourth guy in the first round? No, I'm saying if he, he could drop. He's still the fourth. But he could drop into the if there's only three taken, he could drop to the fourth. Oh, okay, never mind. I thought you were saying that Beck. Uh, I, I, okay, never mind. I, I, no, 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 no. Yeah. Um, all well, right. But, but yeah. my, my one hesitation on on this being, oh, I, I don't, I'm leaving partly because Jim Harbaugh's leaving. If Harbaugh does leave, I think we both believe Moore's going to be the next head coach. Like, I don't know why would it would it truly matter to him that your OC is the head coach too? I don't know if that's like a driving factor for me. Unless you feel like they are going to go outside of Michigan to bring in the next head coach if Harbaugh leaves, you're saying that Har. Okay, so you're arguing that maybe right here you're arguing that uh, really, I'm pro- probably I'm making too much of Harbaugh's Harbaugh. decision have an effect on McCarthy at all. You probably I right about think that. So it's probably it's probably more about feeling like your race has been run in college yes. a little bit and it's not going to get as good as it has been. So why not take crack of the NFL? But like we talked about, it is interesting from the. It is interesting from a um, timing standpoint because it would if you would feel he'd have a better chance of getting drafted higher next next yeah. year. Yeah, because yeah, there's a lot of good uh, coaches or there's a lot of good quarterbacks right now. You would think so, too, being the, the the national championship winning quarterback for Michigan would be a uh, a nice little paycheck as well. Yes, you mean if he was going to return. If he was going to return. Yeah, I know. A lot of these guys, it's interesting now. Some are actually engaging in financial risk choosing the NFL over college, which has yeah. never been the case before. It's wild. I mean, from the numbers I heard from Carson, Carson's getting what he would be getting if he was an early second round pick. I'm, it's hard for me not to believe that JJ would not be getting a certain similar compensation. Was package. that a million? I think like one and a half was kind of the, the around the ballpark. I think what they were looking at from everything I heard was, what what did Will Levis make last year as an early second round pick? And that's kind of the number that we need to hit. Boy, Bobo better do something, dude. Paying one five for quarterback to lose to Nick in the SEC. And now you mm. never get to go after him again. Mm-mm. I'd be furious if I was a Georgia fan. Mm. Like I'd be beside myself with anger. Mm-hmm. Be on the streets demanding change. See what we did at Madhouse here in Baton Rouge. I know you wish that was you. Sorry, boys. <laughs> Sorry, boys. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> oh, I'm trolling. All right, y'all. I love you. Huge thank you to Ryan Bradley, Pat Gunther, Danny Cardez, Adam Grassi, Chris Tran. Um, thank you most of all to all of you who listen, hang out with us. Please hit the like button. Please sub to the channel. We love you and we will. Um, We'll hang out with you more tomorrow for a brand new episode of Snaps. The Volume. This is the story of The One. 
As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts 